Hello, Brian, our Bible teacher, takes us to the football field for the start of our Bible study today. That's right, you're listening to Search for Truth, and Brian uses a football illustration to help us understand our Bible study, which concerns the eternal security of our salvation in Christ. This series of talks is called A Very Good Place to Begin, where Brian's been looking into the first principles of belief in God's good news. Eternal security for the believer is one of those main doctrines. So let's join Brian to kick off today's Bible study. Thanks, John. Yes, once it was a famous football match, and I'm referring to the soccer variety of football. This was one match played at a World Cup Finals, where one team scored the winning goal, but the ball had crossed the goal line a fraction of a second after the referee had blown his whistle for full time. The goal was disallowed. The team on the receiving end didn't lose their important result. This was because the match had officially ended and the result of it was settled before the ball crossed the goal line. You know, it's more than good to know there's something much more important that we simply cannot lose. And I'm talking about our salvation from the punishment that our sins deserve. Once God has granted that to us, on the Bible's terms, nothing, no one, not even we ourselves, can take it away or give it away. Why not? How can we be sure that we absolutely cannot be lost if we've already made a genuine saving commitment to Jesus Christ, God's Son? Well, thinking back to the illustration that we opened with, we may still sin, and if you like, score an own goal, but the result of our salvation still stands, because it was finished already, with the final result settled for all eternity when Jesus died on the cross before we sinned. Remember how the Lord Jesus, dying on the cross, said, It is finished, in John 19 verse 30. That was like the referee blowing the final whistle. What happens afterwards, our future sins, cannot change the result once it has been applied to us when we repent and receive Jesus as our personal saviour by faith once for all. Let's listen to the words spoken by Jesus one day to a Jewish audience that included both believers and unbelievers as to the vital issue of his identity and mission. Jesus said this, My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. That's John's Gospel, chapter 10, from verse 27. Jesus is, earlier in that same chapter, and that's the 10th chapter of John's Gospel, Jesus is called the Good Shepherd. Those who truly believe on him are his sheep. The Good Shepherd cannot fail. He cannot lose any of his sheep. If he could lose even one single sheep, he wouldn't be a Good Shepherd. God does not and cannot change his mind. If you are a believer, then it was he who chose you to be one of Christ's sheep. He was the one, although you were quite unaware of it, who drew you to Christ to believe on him. You were his, and he gave you to his son. Yes, make no mistake, Christian believer, that you've been chosen by God from before this universe ever existed. 
That's the ultimate in guarantees. Your security doesn't depend on you, but only on him. There are so many ways of assuring ourselves biblically of our eternal security in Christ. But the one that I personally find the most persuasive is this fact whereby the Bible teaches us that the primary salvation decision is God's, not ours, which means that any view which permits us to lose our salvation seriously underplays God's sovereignty. Jesus invited people to come to him and to rest in the knowledge of sins forgiven. Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son determines to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is comfortable and my burden is light. In itself, that famous invitation at the end of Matthew chapter 11 invites people to stop relying on their own efforts to obtain or even keep salvation and simply to come and then continue to rest in the salvation which Christ is offering as a gift. Back in John chapter 6, the Lord pulls the curtain further back to reveal something of the bigger picture of what's involved in a sinner coming to Christ. He says in John 6, 37, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Verse 44. So standing behind our coming to Christ in personal faith, is God's sovereign choice of each one of us who believes on the Lord Jesus. We find additional clarity on this very point in the letter to the Ephesians in its opening verses. Chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. You know, a moment's reflection ought to show us that if these things are so, if the matter of our salvation and eternal destiny has been of concern to God from before the foundation of the world, then it's highly unlikely that we should be able to toss it away on a whim or even by a later quite deliberate rejection. Loss of faith in a believer is tragic and brings about a loss of enjoyment of the assurance of salvation. But salvation itself, as God's sovereign gift, remains, having been underwritten by God's own choice from before this universe ever came into being. The outcome is already finalised in God's purpose. As far as God is concerned, it's as if we're already glorified with Christ, and he says so. Of course, this is what the Apostle Paul consistently taught. You remember he taught the Philippian jailer, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, Acts 16.31. But just suppose for a moment that the gift of salvation is subsequently conditional upon our own good works. 
then we can't possibly know if we've done well enough to still keep hold of it or not. And so Paul's note of confident assurance to that jailer, you will be saved, would then ring false. God wants us to fully rejoice in his gift of eternal life and his blessings of peace and joy. The Apostle John wrote, These things have I written unto you, that you may know that you have eternal life, you who believe in the name of the Son of God. 1 John 5 verse 13. Some, however, teach the false doctrine that the Christian believer can be saved and then lost again. This error is the result of confusing salvation with service. When a person professes faith in Christ, as Peter did, he or she is built by Christ into his church, that is, Christ's church, and is in fact baptised by Christ in the Holy Spirit into that very church, which is known biblically as his, that is, Christ's body. This is the Lord's action, and in this case, this is confirmed by the stated fact that the greatest known power could not overpower Christ's church. We should check that again. It comes from the Lord's words in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. He says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Did you get that? After confirming his identity to Peter while at Caesarea Philippi, Christ proceeded to state the glorious purpose he was about, namely building his church, comprised of all true believers of this age of grace. Then he added that nothing, no power, not even the greatest power known to the ancient world, the power of death and the underworld, could defeat this great divine purpose. Psalm 16 and verse 10 prophesied that Christ's soul in death would go down into Sheol or Hades, the realm of the dead. But the disciple Peter says later in his preaching to the Jews in Acts chapter 2 that Jesus couldn't possibly be held there in death, but that God raised him up. If God hadn't raised up Christ from the dead, if the gates of Hades had not been forced to yield for him, then this great church-building purpose of the ages would have been overpowered. But it wasn't, nor could it be. Praise God for that. Surely this fact of the gates of Hades and death not being able to overpower Christ's purpose in his church, that precludes any such notion as the dismemberment of even a single believer from that body, that church. Who's going to mutilate or maim Christ's body? Our place in the body of Christ is absolutely secured at conversion. Through the baptism in the Spirit, which takes place automatically for each believer as they receive Christ, we are all incorporated eternally into the body of Christ, which remains without any defect whatsoever. Let's take away, please, from this study the message that says, once in him, in Christ, we are in him forever. The new birth, as with our natural birth, is thankfully irreversible.
Thanks, Brian. I hope, like me, you enjoyed the study. Better still, if you're a Christian disciple, I hope you've gained a solid appreciation of your eternal security in Christ. That great hymn we've just heard powerfully reminds us that once in Christ, in him forever, thus the eternal covenant stands, none can pluck us from the strength of Israel's hands. It's a great hymn. And by the way, if you've got any questions, Brian's always pleased to chat with you. Just write in to sft at churchesofgod.info. Another valuable resource is the transcript book of all the talks in this series. Let me remind you how you can freely receive a copy. Uh, firstly, it's available online and you can obtain one by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media. Alternatively, you can write to us and request a hard copy book to be posted to you. Just ask for the title, A Good Place to Begin. And don't forget to include your postal address so we know where to send it. And you can use email or the post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, I'm delighted you've been able to be with us today. Thanks for your company. And please join me again next time for another study when Brian will be looking at baptism. But for now, it's goodbye and very best wishes from our Bible teacher, Brian, our producer, David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon. And in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings. Love me.